This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Emily Thompson from Wellington, Florida. And you are listening to a special jumping edition of Horses in the Morning on Horse Radio Network for February 7th, episode 1625, brought to you today by S Equestrian. Good morning, Horse World. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's Tuesday. It's top-class show jumping uh, at the very best. Every horse is different, and you've got to be able to understand and read each different horse. Remember, we're looking for those clears in this round to go forward to the jump-off. You can't ask for anything more. It's just pure theatre. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday morning. Emily's back. Yay. Yay. Hi, I know. Emily. Yay. I'm so happy to be back. It's been a little while. Yeah, we had the holidays in there. Just a couple things came up, yeah. and uh, you haven't yeah. been on for a couple months. But Jumping and Emily is back. Both of We're them back. back. We're back. And I'm excited. It's been a while since I even talked to you. You were so, I know. so busy over the holidays, and now you're in season down there, just riding horses like crazy and showing like crazy. So, oh, yeah. uh, I haven't come oh, down yeah. to see you yet. I always come down to see you. In the, uh, I know. <clears> It'll be the... fun if you come down. Yeah, we, when I got something showing, I got a couple nice ones right now. Um, I think. Well, you know, I'm not going anywhere, so <laughs> you can really, you can come whenever you want. The showing the madness will continue all year. You know, we we had fun a couple of years ago. I just saw the post popped up on memories of when we did the show uh, Ringside, when we did Horses oh, yeah. in the Morning Ringside, remember? That was yep. a lot of fun. We should do that again sometime. They invited us to do it again. Did they? They did, yep. Uh, Lindsay. Well, let me see if I can. I'll check the calendar. I enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. It's that always was fun, fun to hang out with you down there. I know. Uh, it's 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 for sure. I mean, they've got all kind of neat neat shows going on, different locations and stuff. Well, we we uh, we have we wanted to talk a little bit about what we're going to be doing this year with the jumping episode. Emily's still going to be here, like she has been for what years now. <laughs> Um, I know. Uh, on the first Tuesday of every month. And sorry about the scare last week, by the way. I didn't. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I was like. I, so I mean, 7 o'clock last me. Tuesday morning, I text Emily and go, are you ready for the show today? <laughs> I mean, I was like, what? Oh, no. I freaking out looking at my calendar. Oh, my God. What is going on? I mean, that was like, you know, when you show up in your dream, like to uh, school. You know, and you haven't yes. like prepared for your test or whatever. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, it was like that times. My thousand. dreams I'm were like, always getting no lost way. at school and not knowing which class was next. And you, oh, and that God. wasn't really a dream because I have that happen a few times. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> That's funny. So, so yeah, I texted her. She's like texting back. I don't think I'm today. I'm next week. And I looked oh, at the calendar and went, Oh yeah, you're right. So I gave her I kind know. of a heart attack. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Oh my that. god, a panic attack. My <laughs> girlfriend Caroline was over, um, and she's just like, What is going on? I'm freaking out. <laughs> oh no, the radio shows in an hour. I haven't done anything. 
Sorry. I have no idea what I'm going to do. We had just gotten back from Ada like the night before at midnight, <laughs> yeah. and I was tired, and I didn't know what day it was. Oh, man. Yeah. That does make you tired. <laughs> I, I miss going because it was fun, but but yeah. that is, it's uh, it's a, uh, an, an event, and being inside like that. Well, we uh, no windows. we talked to Emily at the end of last year and told her how well a couple of our shows were doing, uh, like the CHA show, talking about training with the Certified Horsemanship Association every month, and then Mary Kitzmiller getting questions from listeners about starting, about starting young horses, and you know that's kind of her specialty. So, and she's been getting a lot of training questions on the basics. And we thought, well, we we don't really have a show like that for jumping. And we've kind of been doing the same kind of thing the last couple of years with you on the jumping episode. So Emily has kindly agreed, because she's so good at explaining this stuff, to <laughs> change gears a little bit this year, right? Yeah, I think it's great. And then we can have a little more interactive with the audience and help gear some of these uh tips and training, uh, you know, systems really towards things that people need. And then it's, it can be more targeted, more helpful. So this is really going to turn into a training episode. You're still going to have a couple of guests, but really it's going to be talking about training the entire time. It's it's going to be yep. less about what horse are you riding now and where are you going next uh, and, yep. and more about, you know, specific training topics and then questions from listeners. And thankfully, the auditors have put up some questions that we'll, we'll get to today, too. Um, Matter of fact, there's a lot of good questions. So you're going to be busy. There are a lot. So basically, you're going to get about a thousand dollars worth of advice this morning. I know. (laughs) I know. I was reading all those questions. I'm like, these are good questions. But you know, a lot of the topics I, you know, maybe just kind of take for granted because I do it on a daily basis. But when you start really looking through where where people's questions are, what they're gearing towards, I mean, it's not always stuff that I would really even bring up or talk about. But it's super uh, crucial to the development of the horses and. And the riders too. I mean, I, th- I think it's going to be great. I'm really excited. They always say when you when you're forced to finally teach, you learn more. It's yourself. true. Y- and it's you do. true. I normally don't train much, but right now I've got a little boy that's riding with me. He's 11, um, and he's riding some of my sales horses. And he, I mean, it, it, I keep reminding myself of that. Like you know, you really it really forces you to get back into your theory and really, really pay attention to, you know, the system of the whole thing. And you realize that you get kind of like lax when you're not training. Well, um, you know, other you people, forget, you kind of take the uh, basics for granted and maybe yeah. cut some corners here or there. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. And that's true of anything you're learning, right? I mean, or anything you do, so. you know, your job or whatever your job is, whatever you're doing for a living, whether it's an accountant or whatever, same thing happens. And then when you're forced to go teach a class, it forces you to think about everything, and then you become a little better again. Uh, it's so yeah. true. It is. No, I, I the the training it takes up a lot of time, and that's why I don't really do it because I do. I'm so busy with my riding. And the, um, you know, trials and things like that. But I've been really appreciative that I've got uh, Jackson right now that I'm training because it's making me get sharp again. Is Jackson's 11. Is he taller than you already? <laughs> no, <laughs> he's, he's going to be, though, <laughs> soon. He's, I'm he's sorry, Emily. That was a short joke. I didn't. Oh, my God. It. I know. You should see that some of these horses I have. Right, well, I always have big horses, but this one that I have is like 18 hands. And whenever I get to the horse show, he puts his head up, you know, to look around and he's like a giraffe. And it's so embarrassing. I literally can't get the reins over this horse's head. I'm like jumping and like throwing the reins over. I have to get, get about five, three. You're five, three. Yeah. Yeah. Five, five, three. 
<laughs> yep. It's so funny because we have so many hosts uh, on the Horse Radio Network that are like 5'2 and 5'3. They're all little. I noticed that. Everybody <laughs> seems small. to be a trend. Apparently, I like my women tiny. I know, uh, really. Yeah, so. Well, uh, Jennifer is here today, but she's got the flu, so uh, she won't be talking much. But she is here today. Who do you have coming up on today's show to help us out with some training questions? We have uh, Miss Caitlin Shields from Canterbury Farm. She's going to be discussing course walking for hunters and jumpers. She does both. And then we're going to have Nona Garson, our Olympic rider, who's going to be discussing how to develop your horses uh, sort of when you decide when it's time to move up or when you wait, uh, you know, at all different levels of training. She breeds as well, so she, she can take it right from the beginning. I also want to, get, while we have this chance, to put in a plug for the Plaid Horse Magazine is now doing a weekly show on the Horse Radio Network called the Plaid Cast, and that's all about the world of hunters and jumpers. Uh, so uh, you know, if you really like the talk with the big names and the what horses are they riding now kind of thing, then uh, you, can, you can get that over at the Plaid Cast. It's coming out once a week on Saturdays. It's on the app. It's on the Horse Radio Network app, iTunes, everywhere you normally listen to your your podcast. So I did want to mention that as well. Now you have just for for people who are just joining us and are brand new and haven't heard you for a couple of months or haven't heard you at all. Kind of describe what your business is and what you do in Wellington. Um, Well, on the horse side of things, I am a sales rider. So I ride for a couple um, dealers and I also manage my own sales horses that people send for development or just training, um, you know, and then they can go elsewhere. Uh, so my sort of what I end up doing primarily is just riding. I'm riding all day. I go to the horse show. I show as much as I can. I've got six or seven right now that are in full, sh- <clears throat> excuse me, full show work. Um, and that's pretty consistent. It's every week uh, and every day riding. I've, I've got probably about 15 horses that I work with. Okay, just give everybody ones. an idea. I went down to spend a day in the life of Emily. Well, uh, <laughs> wasn't too long ago. And it wasn't that long ago. I hung yeah. out with Emily for a day and a half. And let me tell you what, I was tired just riding around the car with her. She- <laughs> That's right. You came to me. It was bring your friend to work today. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was bring your friend to work today. And I got to go around all the places. And it was so cool. Now, you have every horse girls, teenage horse girls dream job. And that is to ride horses all day in the most beautiful farms that you've ever seen. I, it's some true. of those farms that it. you go to every day are just drop dead gorgeous down there. Oh, it's nuts. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. It, it's incredible. No, I love it. I, I couldn't be happier. You well, know, I took I, a, oh, a and, oh, let me throw this in. Let me throw this in because Emily won't. The horses are tacked up when she gets there for the most part and already groomed. And she just gets on and rides and then leaves to go ride another one. So there's that. I'm a little spoiled. My horses I have to groom. (laughs) So I I have sort of like, uh, you know, two totally different ends of the spectrum because I I got, I guess, six that I full daycare myself. And uh, those are all, you know, not tacked for me. I have to tack them myself. (laughs) I was surprised that when we were going around, it was like, oh, this, she's got the life here. This horse is just sitting there ready to go. <laughs> and then the uh, the person there, the groom or the trainer or the owner or whatever, says, okay, I want you to do this today. And I was like, okay. 
Get on oh, for I know. half an hour, off to the next one. <laughs> Sometimes it is a little bit. I'm just like, you know, on my horses, I think I, I do it myself and I, I train and, and make my own program. But when you go ride for people, I mean, you do have to have the right temperament for it because it's like, you know. Now, you're not challenge. necessarily breaking the horses. They're already broke. There's a step before you get them. I mean, it depends because okay. I do have sometimes when I have more time in the summers, I'll have some for saddle breaking as well. But I mean, if I had my way, I just want top show horses. I want to be able to compete, have Grand Prix, you know, meter 30, meter 40, whatever, just like real size jumps and uh, older horses that are competitive. Unfortunately, when they get to that stage, somebody buys them. So, you know, it's kind of a, a, uh, you know, process, but, uh, but I do the, the, the dealers that I ride for, they buy horses for the market. So they're up and running. So like right now, all the ones on, on, at, at the farm that you came to that Bertrand's place, they're all, you know, proper jumpers jumping meter 20 and, and higher. So that's a good question in a, in an environment like that uh, down there with a whole bunch of jumpers. Do you have, are there certain people that will break the babies? Do you send the babies to certain people? I know a lot of times it's so funny because you, you think about the crossover between Western and English and natural horsemanship and all of that. And I know a lot of the dressage and, and jumper riders send their horses to be broke to people like that. Yeah. A lot of people do. Most people do. Um, I'm kind of rare that I will do it myself, but I also do some breeding. So, you know, there inevitably I'm going to be doing it. Uh, but yeah, mostly people just send it out, send them out. And, then, and that is you one, know, they, one place where the kind of Western and English worlds co- converge is on yeah. the breaking of the babies, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, basically, any, anybody that you talk to, they're like, oh, yeah, we had to send this one to the cowboy. You know, yep. this one just came back from the cowboy. <laughs> like, that's like what they do. <laughs> it's kind of funny because you, you wouldn't think about a, a top level dressage horse that where he started at the uh, Western farm, you know? Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's probably hilarious to go and, and see. Well, we had a, a cowboy down in Texas that people would send the horses to. And when you walk down the aisles, you're like, this is hilarious. They're like 18 hand warm bloods in Western saddles. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so funny. <laughs> All right. Your first guest is ready. Let's get the, uh, the training talk started. Oh, yeah. So our next guest, Miss Caitlin Shields, is a top rider trainer at Canterbury Farm. Welcome to the show, Caitlin. Hi, guys. So glad you could make it. Thank you. Thank you for having me this morning. Oh, we're so happy to be able to talk with you. You've had quite a a season uh, already. I've been seeing all your posts and everything on Facebook. You're really tearing it up on all your horses. (laughs) Yeah, everybody's been super this year. We're excited for, you know, this year and all of our goals. And so we're just getting started here in Ocala. We were in Wellington for a couple of weeks and now we're here. So that's great. All the horses have been great. Well, and, and, you know, you have so many different horses, hunters and jumpers that you ride. I thought you would be perfect for this sort of training segment here on courses because you are going to be walking and riding so many different courses on so many different types of horses. Um, so right. you've got so much, so much information, um, how probably to start out, maybe you could just talk to us a little bit about what you look, what, what, what do you notice when you first are presented with a course, whether it be hunter or jumper, or what are your first things that you need uh, to pick out? Well, the first thing, you know, I always, it depends on kind of what horse I'm showing, uh, you know, look at the course and like, for instance, last week I did my jumper and 
the meter 40 classes and the courses were very technical up here. And, you know, I, I kind of go in thinking, you know, where is his strengths? Where is his weaknesses? What I really need to think about, you know, in the turns, if it's, you know, he goes a little right, I got to make sure, you know, in a bending line, for instance, where we walk seven strides, if it's going to the right, and I know my horse drips a little right, I might need to go a little wider in that track. So, you know, it just depends on, on who I'm riding is the hunters, you know, it's, it's pretty much set lines and then you kind of decide, you know, which horse you're riding. Um, you know, different horses obviously have different lengths and strides. So if I've got a big moving horse, you know, you go a little bit slower to make those strides work. If you have a shorter strided horse, you, you get a little bit more on a clip and then you got to really think about getting up the line. So it's, it's a little bit different for every horse and, and, and uh, course that you ride. So keeps you on your toes. Oh, for sure. And you have a bunch, I see, that you're out there showing. So you've got to really know yeah, which one you're on. Yeah. And, you know, they all are very diff- different. Um, you know, they each, obviously, every horse has its its strengths and its weaknesses. And, you know, I try to, you know, mold every horse kind of into our program as much as we can. So, um, you know, it, it kind of works in that sense. So, go on. How many times do you go, that's okay. How many times do you go over your course, uh, when you're, you know, let's say it's a jumper course, uh, first round, second round, do you go over it a bunch in your head or are you able to, do you have any tips on how you can remember that course? Um, I tend to, you know, if I go later in the class, I tend to try to watch a couple, not watch a million, because obviously every horse out there and every rider has their strengths and weaknesses. So, you know, if you watch the first two go in the class and, and they're having trouble, you know, to, to stay away from getting anxious and, you know, nervous, you know, you kind of stick to your own plan and, and know what you, what you have to do on course with your horse. So, you know, I try to go over it a few times in my head, but not, not repetitive to, to the extent of, and then I start to question myself with certain strides. Right. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. What, when, how do you evaluate <laughs> your, your ring? Like when you have your, the size of the arena, do you think that plays a factor the the terrain, if it's on turf or, or, uh, synthetic? Oh, for sure. I think, you know, here in Ocala, they have this big stadium, you know, that we do the, the, you know, the bigger jumpers in and they have some hunter derbies. Uh, I think obviously the size of the ring is a huge factor. Um, you know, if you have one that's a little younger and gets a little lost in, in big open fields as opposed to a smaller ring that kind of has an enclosure where you can kind of ride the fence line and, and practice the straight lines and stuff. So I think that that obviously changes everything if you're on grass you know, the footing, some horses love it. Some horses don't, or they're a little uncomfortable with the footing. So it, it all, every, every little bit of everything that we all do is, is a factor of how well our horse will go or, you know, how to teach our students to ride on that course or, or whatnot like that. Please make everybody feel better. That's listening right now and tell them that you have forgotten a course occasionally like they have. I for sure have. I'm not going to lie. Okay, you, know, good. You, you, you go in there sometimes and you do your, your jump around and then you then you have to think about the, the next seven jumps for the jump off. Yeah, you get a little confused sometimes. <laughs> <That's> um, <good. laughs> I mean, you, it's, I, I use training tools kind of in the jumpers. You know, the hunters are very fixed course. It's normally single diagonal outside two stride, you know, so 
you kind of know the routine for the hunters, but for the jumper rank for kids or, or adults that are learning to do it, you know, you start to pick out and say, oh, that uh, pink flamingo jump over there or the adequant boxer over there, you know, whatever the jump is, you kind of use that rather than saying there's jump number one, there's jump number two. Um, you know, I think visual, a, a visual teaching works a lot with, you know, so that well, you don't have to. I often wondered that about both of you, actually. You're right in so many classes sometimes in a day, that, that, that in a, especially in the jumper yeah. classes, that the courses are different. And, and do you ever get in yeah. there and go, okay, now wh- which one am I at now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's, um, unfortunately, that does happen to me. I, I go in and I, I'll rem- remember my course, and, and I agree with you, Caitlin, it's better to have the uh, visual as well, not just the numbers, yeah. but yeah, I, I I will have that moment sometimes. The buzzer goes, and I'm like, oh, I'm blank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've had those moments a few times. You just kind of have to take a deep breath and and uh, trust that you remember it. <laughs> I know. Well, it's hard. I'm very. Uh, I get really stuck on the numbers, so I have had to really yeah. train myself to get more visual with the color of the jump, and you know, calling it a diagonal line or whatever. Because I get so like as a jumper girl, all fixated on the numbers. I've had situations where where like a number will fall down, you know, from the wind or something, and I'll circle. I'm like, I, I don't right. see that number. Or like George and Nona's, I love right. the horse show, but they have like three numbers on every jump because all the classes are r- running <laughs> at the same time. And I'm like, yeah. what a nightmare. Like I'm going to be doing circles in here the whole time. But I think you're right. That is really helpful <laughs> to have a visual. Work. Yeah, it is. It for sure is. Especially like the kids that, you know, you go over the course right before they go in the ring for the seven, seventh time that you've discussed it and they go in there and they kind of blank. So you know, if they can kind of remember, oh, well, she did say, you know, turn inside these pillars here to go to the the colorful jump or the one with the sh- shamrock. I think that helps a lot. Yeah, that's good advice. That's really good. And then what about for the numbers? Do you, when you walk the courses with the kids and for yourself, do you get pretty stuck on the numbers or do you give options? Um, I think, you know, everything is different. Like I said before, you know, every horse has a different uh, length of stride. So I think if you jump into a line and you say, okay, well, this could be a steady six, um, you know, and you jump in really bold and you kind of are there almost at four and a half and you're seeing five strides. I I mean, I think on course you have to, uh, obviously if something happens, you need to make a an instant reaction to kind of make it work or, you know, uh, and jump off. Sometimes you'll walk a line and you'll say, well, this will be seven in the first round. And for sure you can do six in the second round, you know, um, you know, your, your reactions have to be so quick, especially on the jumper ring. I think you have to keep in mind that, you know, when I walk the courses with the kids you know, you can say you, you walk seven or six strides, you don't get locked on a number, you know, if for some reason your horse lands and you're, running over to the left, you're never doing seven. Like it's okay to do eight. Um, you know, obviously in the hunters, it's a, it's a fixed number and you need to stick to the numbers because otherwise then you're not, you're not placing in the class because you know, that is the number that you're supposed to be doing. And the same thing with the equitation. Um, I think that's what's difficult too, is that's when you start going to metal McClay finals, you have to stick to the numbers. <laughs> What so yeah. you work with kids a lot. What are you what's the consistent thing that you're having to uh you know you're having to do over and over and over with them that they have trouble with that they consistently have trouble with? What's that one consistent thing? Um 
I think rhythm, rhythm for sure is tough for kids. Um, you know, whether they get excited or they're not using enough leg or the horse is a little quieter the next day. I think it's obviously keeping repetition in your lessons and kind of, you know, the same exercises to, to do the five, the six, the four, you know, it accordionize your size yourself and, you know, really keep practicing every class. Obviously you learn something, um, you know, whether you mess up the one time you come back the second time and you fix what you messed up. So I just kind of keep telling the kids, you know, obviously every time we walk in the ring, we're learning something else, you know, it's, it's, then you go back to your homework and you practice what you messed up maybe in the ring. So definitely keeps you on your toes, horseback riding. (laughs) Yeah. The rhythm is so important. That's a good thing to bring up because when you are walking the course, you're, although you may have different, the lines may walk at different footage, but the idea is that everything is off of a 12 foot canter stride. So that's your sort of math. Right. And when I, you know, when you go in the ring and you think to yourself, I always tell the kids, you feel like you have enough, enough rhythm to start, you know, some kids go in and they think that they have enough and then they're not getting up the first line. So we always remind them to set their pace before they even go to the first jump so that they can feel like throughout the whole course, they have the same rhythm rather than starting slow and going fast or fast and then going slow. You know, you kind of try to set your pace to where you know that that it's going to best excel your horse and yourself. Yeah, no, that's really good because then the, the core, the courses themselves are going to change your rhythm. You can't help it. You know, if the distance comes up a little short or long, but that's your challenge right. is to just keep getting back to that middle 12 foot rhythm. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have, uh, for instance, I have a derby horse that I've been doing right now and he has a massive stride. And when he's that quiet, you know, ready to horse show, uh, I have to remind myself to slow way back down, you know, in the turns and really take my half halt and get back on my rhythm because, you know, you got to keep it so consistent. So that is one thing that you just need to keep remembering is get back on that rhythm that you feel the most comfortable and your horse is the most comfortable. And, and then, you know, everything from there comes, comes from there. So what do you find, uh, is the biggest challenge in your jumper courses with your rhythm? What, what takes you off rhythm? Um, well, I think it depends on the horse that you're riding. You know, if you have one that is a little bit more blood and, and has a big stride in the ring and, and you like, for instance, my horse, I, he has a very large stride. So when I'm trying to go in the ring and keep everything the same and and we have short strides, it obviously changes my pace throughout the course, but I try to keep it as, as smooth as I can you know, working with those short or long stride, um, distances. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always, it could, you know, in the hunters, I think because the lines, I don't do a lot of hunters, but watching, um, it appears, you know, because of the lines are are kind of a set footage, you can clock into that rhythm and if you're okay, it's hard too, but you know, you can, you, you have a better shot kind of of sticking on that rhythm. And then in the jumper courses, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, the left turn, right, right. Triple combination. (laughs) You know, there's so much going on that that's really seems to be the, the struggle is to keep continuing to find, try to keep and find your rhythm. Right. You know, and I think it, it's, it's, uh, you know, I always did the jumpers and, and the occupation. I didn't do many hunters when I was a junior. And when I turned professional and started to take, you know, these different jobs with more hunters, 
really getting back to the hunter ring and going back to that rhythm really helps with the jumper ring and the equitation. I feel like for the kids, you know, that can kind of do a little bit of all of it. It really helps, um, you know, keep them on that pace. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I bet you see that a lot with the kids that they need. They, it's almost yes. like cross training. They really need that reference. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like, it's like being in school, you know, you, you have your science and your math and, you know, and everyone always says, how does this relate to the other? But I think, you know, when you're doing the jumpers and the equitation and the hunters, it, all, you know, it all obviously ties into one and really helping produce your riding. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much for stopping by with us, Caitlin, giving us those tips on the Thanks, walking. guys. Well, good Absolutely. luck at your great circuit to too. To you. Yeah. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. We'll hey, talk to you soon. Caitlin, do you have a website? Yes. Uh, we do. It's Canterbury Farm Chicago. Uh, we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Check us out online. All right. Very good. Thanks for thanks for helping out today, right. and good luck this season. Thanks, Caitlin. Thank you, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Talk okay, to you soon. Bye-bye. Cool. And we can go, if you want, right into your next guest. Perfect. Well, we have our next guest is Olympic rider Nona Garson, also a breeder and producer of top horse shows year-round. Welcome to the show, Nona. Oh, thanks for having us. So glad you could stop by. Wasn't sure if it was going to work. I know you're a busy lady. (laughs) Yeah, no, we're getting ready for our equitation horse show that starts at one. But other than that, we're totally, totally free today. Oh my gosh, that's so great. I've been bragging about your shows to everybody. It's like the coolest ever. I, <laughs> I love that, that Jim Brandon, the, being over there with the, the nice footing. And <clears throat> I love the the loose time frame is my favorite. We have so many horses at the farm and to be able to just hook up and go is just the best. So congratulations on, on that. I hope it gets a lot a lot of success. Thank you. No, it's been going well, and I think the exhibitors are having a good time. So, you know, I think that's the most important part. And, you know, we're trying to work around everybody's schedules as best we can, because I know what it's like to be that busy professionals that's trying to get to all of the rings at the same time. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it's great. Well, so today I thought this was going to be a really fun topic and something that you would have a lot of insight into since you have done the breeding. I know you've had horses at all different levels, all the way up to uh, Olympic Games. Um, and you know, there's always a a sequence of development and I, I think it's sort of a touchy thing to know when is it time to move up, whether either in your division, you're moving up a division or a young horse, you know, taking the the next steps of their training. I wondered if you could give us a little insight into, into what your process is. Well, I, I always, I'm, I'm can be a little conservative. I always tell people. I'd rather move up slowly than move up and move and have to move back down. Um, you know, I think we always have to preserve our horse and, you know, realize that, you know, there's only so many jumps in every horse that God gives us. And, you know, we have to kind of build his confidence and, uh, you know, make sure he, he feels he can do everything that we're challenging him with. Um, so when you, do you wait to see that they've really sort of mastered a certain level or they're getting very comfortable, very relaxed, and then you decide that you should try, try to move, take the next step in the training? 
Yeah, I mean, if it's a jumper, I want to feel that I could jump, you know, several clean rounds at a certain height before I, and the horses experience combinations and, you know, and maybe, you know, the water, the Liverpool and things like that before I'm going to jump a higher level and then, you know, shock them with some different things. A hunter, you know, I want to feel that his stride is relaxed. He's covering the distances. The distances are getting easy at that, at the lower height. You know, he's not hanging up and, you know, making, you know, having to run down the lines. You know, I want to feel that the horse is totally within his game when he's, you know, when we're moving him up. Yep. No, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. And that's, I think the challenge sometimes people, and I've been guilty of this too, you get one or two good rounds and then you want to move up. I guess the hunters, you get kind of locked into a eligibility. And so you maybe do like a year at the three foot or, or whatever it is that you're doing, you get a year at, and then the jumpers, it's sort of, you know, I've been guilty for sure. You get one or two good rounds and then you start moving up and then you're right. Do you have a problem? And then you've got to move right back down. So I guess that's what you're, we're trying yeah, to avoid. I mean, yeah. I mean, as you want to develop, as you're trying to develop a horse into a Grand Prix horse, you want him to be rock solid, you know, at a meter 30 and then a meter 40 and then a meter, you know, 45 and every, and every increment you go up, you have to remember, you have to go up a little slower. You know, it's, it's one thing when you're going from two, six to three foot, but when you start going from four foot six to four foot nine, you know, every, every centimeter starts to count, you know, it's, so you want to make sure you have a confident horse. It's, you know, well within its game. If it makes a mistake, it's not going to, you know, not want to jump and, you know, get, you know, and stop. It's got to be confident enough as you move up that a mistake here and there is not going to stop him from playing the game. And do you, I know they're all different, but do you have sort of an idea of how long each of these little seasons are for the horse? For example, for a jumper, um, you know, is it just a handful of clean rounds or do you say either which way they need to be in that meter 30 for a year before they move up or, or how do you evaluate them? Well, I, I think it, it doesn't have to be a year, but I think I want to see a horse jump, you know, jump, you know, at. Uh, you know, a couple, I, I personally would have a horse jump a couple months, a meter 30 before I move it up. Um, you know, I mean, maybe only, maybe only two months, but something like that. And, uh, you know, then it, you know, and every horse obviously is different and some horses, you know, have huge ability, but you know, you don't want a horse to start giving up and jump and not jumping clean because we, you know, we haven't trained it to the, uh, the tricks of the courses yet, you know, cause the course designer is trying to get us to knock down the jumps. And, you know, so sometimes we, if we move a horse up too quickly, it is in fact jumping the bigger jumps, but then it sort of gives up and starts to knock them down. And that's not a good thing either. So you're evaluating mainly as far as the jumpers go on clean rounds that, that tells you when they're, when they're, yeah, they're, and they're solid. If the horse comes out yeah. of the ring. Yeah, and if the horse comes out of the ring comfortable and, you know, it's not stressed, you know, it's jumping around, not only clean, because sometimes we can be lucky and clean. Uh, right. You know, we have to be, has to be confident and clean and, you know, come out, come out of the ring, you know, not like he just ran the Kentucky Derby. Right. Yeah, I know for sure. And when, do you, when you're moving the horses up, do you continually move up and then stay there or do you go up and down? with your heights? Oh no. I'll even, even like my, you know, my, my good Olympic horse rhythmical, he would come out and he would always jump. He would love to always like to jump a low class in the beginning of the week. 
even though we did before the Grand Prix. Um, I would bring them out on a Wednesday and do, you know, a low class meter 35 or meter 40 class because he, he liked that and it made him just more confident. And, uh, you know, but they really, you, you have to gauge your horse's program on each horse. It really is different from horse to horse. And then I know that you've done some breeding um, with that nice stallion, Langooster, that you have. Uh, really mm-hmm. cute babies, too. I've seen a few of them out there. Um, how how do you evaluate since, you know, you're, you're ha- handling all of the, the starting and facilitating the breaking and everything? How do you decide when your young horse is ready to start doing more, say, starting to do some poles, some jumping? Well, we usually start, we'll start them on poles and little light gymnastic work when they're three. Um, you know, we start jumping courses or stuff, you know, when they're four. And then from there, you know, I, 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 we don't show them much until they're probably five or, or older, just to be a little cautious. And do you take them on um, the road? Or? They're hunters. Yeah, I take them with us. Like we go to Saugerties in the summer. I'll bring a couple who are, you'll see me riding around on, on some of those babies, you know, and we, and you know, I, we show them in the little, little miscellaneous classes, even if they're, a, if they're a hunter or a jumper, I often will start them out as hunters. Um, even if they're, they're, they're going to be a jumper later in their life, uh, just cause it's a little more inviting. There's ground lines. The jumps are, are set a little more on step, you know? Uh, so sometimes we'll often start horses in low hunter divisions that are going to end up being, you know, jumpers later on. And so then those hunters you start showing at five, you said, or, or four? Yeah, four, no, uh, no, four or five, four or five, four or five. kind of at the, the end of the four-year-old year. And that, what height do those horses jump? Oh, two, six, three foot, you know, nothing. I don't like to stress them too much, you know, that early. Um, but as four-year-olds, I really won't jump them usually more than two, six, two, nine. Okay. And then for your we hunters. Go, you know, we go slowly. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm, I'm wondering the time frame uh, that, that it takes to develop those hunters. Well, like, you know, for example, we have a horse right now that's a six-year-old. He's really, he, we did him last year in the two, nine and three foot. He's really ready to be a first year horse now, or he could go on and be a three foot three pre-green horse, either or, he, but he's really confident and he actually could go in and jump around, you know, a three foot six course now. And he kind of went on, he was on that format. Okay. And now how about now, the sometimes riders? Sometimes at home, I want to do it. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, at home, I'll work the horses through the gymnastics. We'll start to develop into bigger jumping, you know, in a comfortable gymnastic where the, where the distances are set. And, you know, the horse can start to develop this technique, but not have the chance of, you know, missing the distance. Right. Yeah, that is good for the confidence. Now you do, I know quite a bit of training and clinics as well. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the riders moving up? kids versus adults, a different, you know, what, what are you looking for out of your riders before they can move up? Well, they have to be able to, you know, to be, uh, you know, depend on what divisions we're talking about. You know, they, you know, they've got to be able to hold the horse, you know, move it up to the, up, move it up to a forward distance or add to a quiet distance and, you know, not jump ahead of the motion as they, you know, cause the bigger the jumps, the less forgiving, uh, the course becomes to, you know, those kind of mistakes. 
So, you know, we want to make sure everyone's safe. There's, they're secure in the saddle. They're not getting jumped loose as the jumps get bigger. And they have the skill set to place the horse in a place it can leave the ground. And what about, I mean, yeah, I've run into this myself with the teaching. Uh, a lot of times the kids mainly, I actually had a couple of adults this last year too that were like this, but they want to move up and they're not ready. What, you know, they're not, well, they're not able also, to do all this. Yeah, I mean that that all that you that also becomes difficult because you don't want them to get hurt, you know. But some people, if they're strong-minded enough, they can live, you know, they can live through it. But you know, that you you it depends on you know how many horses they have, how many times they go to the ring, you know, you know that you know how fast you can advance their learning curve depends a lot on how much they're doing. I mean, if you have somebody who's riding, you know, four or five horses and they're going in the ring that many more times, they're 100% going to advance faster and be able to move up quicker than somebody who's riding one horse, you know, in the competition once a week, you know, through two or three weeks out of the month. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. So that's what you encourage then is, is more. Well, more, if they have, they have big goals. Yeah. Yeah, if they have big goals, they have to, you know, it's just like if you were a professional, if you were a tennis player, you would be on the tennis court all day long. You know, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be on the tennis court, you know, for an hour a day. You'd be on it for four hours a day or, you know, and, and riding's the same thing. You know, if they want to, you know, and riders that want to move up quickly, they need to have more horses and more chances to keep, you know, honing their skills. Now, I have a question. Let's take uh-huh. just the opposite of that. Do you have riders that get comfortable at a level and you have to push them to move up? Yeah, yeah, because, you know, there's a certain intimidation factor uh, as the jumps get bigger. And, and you know, in, in this sport, people don't always have to jump big to do well either. Right, right. You know, there's a, there's na- right. you could be a national champion and never jump bigger than three foot. Right. Uh, you just always hear about it the other way. You know, you always hear the stories of people, you know, moving up before they should. And we've all seen those people at shows, too. Um, I don't, you know, I wondered how many uh, uh, were on the other side of the coin where, you know, they just get comfortable with where they're at and they don't really have a desire to, uh, which is okay, too. No, and that, and, you know, there's 100% okay, you know, and that's, and, you know, in fact, in fact, you know, if you're not mounted, you know, you don't have the horse, you don't have the time to ride, it's, you know, maybe it would be safer to stay in, you know, a lower division and, and you know, it's and and it's fun. great to be a winner in that division. Yeah. And yeah. how many people, how yeah, many times do people move up and stop having fun? You know, then at, at a certain level, they're just not having as much fun anymore uh, because there's too much pressure or, or whatever, you know, it's just not as much fun as it was at the lower levels. No, I think you see that a lot. Yeah. Emily oh, doesn't happen sure. to you. You're still having fun, aren't you? <laughs> I'm having fun. No, I'm, I'm having fun. I got horses at all different levels, some less exciting than others, but uh, but no, it's I, I just love it. Yeah, no, and, it's great. And at your with what you guys are doing too, that it really does come down to the horse. The horse is either more fun or less fun, right? I mean, uh, you have those that are just a good time and those that aren't. It's like people you know. Some are fun and some aren't. Uh, yeah, it's right. true. Well, well even yeah, like are, what they can, some are like going do. down the bunny trail, and some are like <laughs> double black diamonds. Yeah, no, for sure. I have because I'm I ride quite a few horses. Uh, 
now uh, that are showing in some sometimes in the same classes but i mean it does I'll, I'll ride the same course three times and it just goes it's totally different each time you know it's like all right this is gonna ride really really big okay now this one's gonna ride really really small it's just you know really does come down to what the horse has in them and yeah, on the no, people's side, it's all who you it. want to have dinner with and who you'd never have dinner <laughs> with. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just when you're training horses, you're kind of stuck with those occasionally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. No, well, this is this is all really good good uh, information on this moving up. I, I, I love to hear your input on how and when with these jumpers because it's such a challenge. Basically that's all I do because they, I'm always taking all of my horses and the biggest classes that they've ever done. Like that's basically my job and I'm in charge of some of them and then some not I'm riding for people. Um, but it is, you know, you really do have to, to think about those things that you're saying about how the horse is handling all the obstacles and not just clean rounds. I like that. Yeah, because, you know, like I said, sometimes you'll have a clean round and the horse will just have scared itself to death, you know. <laughs> so we, yeah. want to, we want everybody to be positive and confident as we're going forward, you know. Oh, for sure. And that's that's what I love about you all shows over there at Jim Brandon. It is so awesome. I mean, the turf tour is awesome as well, but having that opportunity to build these horses and the riders in a, a much more reasonable atmosphere is just incredible and you guys can check it out online um the ridge the ridge what is it the ridge at wellington um, the, the well it's the ridge at wellington no the, the our website is the ridgefarm.com and the name of the horse show is the ridge palm beach series and and uh, and you know and we have classes that cater for training young horses because we will put an extra class in we'll you know, we will go up and down with the jumps for different divisions, keep the cards open, you know, do things to make it user-friendly for people that are bringing on horses and riders and riders, you know, same reason. They'll get, an, they'll get two classes at the same height instead of just one a day. Oh, yeah. No, it's awesome. Well, you guys check it out online. And thank you so much, Nona, for stopping by. That was great information. Oh, thank you, Emily. You take care and hope to see you soon. See you soon. Thanks. Okay. All right. Let's talk a little bit about our sponsor for this show, and that's S Equestrian. And then we're going to come back, and you're going to answer some listener questions that we had from this morning. Yeah. So we're going to put you under the hot seat. Um, but first, let's talk about S. What's up? S is staying busy. Got lots of those shirts being ordered. Um, the IEA and the IHSA has been really taking off. Those are the college team shirts. You can actually contact your college if you graduated it, you know, you're an alum or, or you have somebody, you know, somebody is from, you know, one of those colleges or would like one of those shirts. You can actually hop in on some of those orders and get your custom logo for the colleges inside the liner. They're super cute. And the show coats are really taking off. We're seeing quite a few of them out there. You know, I, you know, I'm crazy. I, I like all of the crazy colors. So that's how you can tell if there are coats because they're not black or I blue. think I was trying <laughs> to remember. <laughs> Gen Jennifer can back me up here. Who did we see at Ada? Was it Kat that had the, the shirt on? Somebody had the your, one oh, of your really? shirts on. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we saw one in the wild. Yes, it, I was like, oh, that's an S shirt. You know what? That's it so might funny. have been the girl from uh, Walsh Products uh, who had your yeah, shirt on. Yeah, I think on. it 
was probably, I mean, yep, because yes. she messaged me, yep, saying she was going to get more. She wears them all the time. Yeah, she was wearing your shirt, and I was like, oh, that's an S shirt right there, because you can tell, you know? They're, you can they're tell. Cool. And, and uh, you were really the first one to start putting fun designs on the inside. I know. I got knocked off by, like, three other companies, but we were definitely the first. Yeah. And first for the snaps as well. I did see some you know, like, that were, were, were doing that. I was like, oh, they're copycats. They have no original oh, yeah. ideas in their head. Smart pack? Come yeah. on. <laughs> that, that shirt is, like, exactly my shirt out of just crappy fabric, but basically. crappy fabric and not, you know, not made like yours are. You know, no, so. no, they're all made, you know, and we're made in the U.S. in right. Manhattan. You know, it's really, really super quality people. We have we've been very fortunate uh, because we're, we started as a very small company, but it's a good product and it's made in the U.S. and it's really taking off. We basically like not everybody knows of the brand. It's getting much more traction because we didn't have a huge marketing budget. But the people that do wear it, they're like groupies, like they wear nothing else. And, it, you know, it's, it's funny when you said made in Manhattan. That sounds so old school, doesn't it? But now that's becoming the thing is back made in Manhattan oh, yeah. again. Uh, yeah. You know, and that's, you know, my, my margin's not great because I'm not manufacturing overseas, but my quality is great. So I'm just we're, we're just going to keep on going the way that we are. But, uh, yeah, I think domestic uh, manufacturing is definitely coming back because you're seeing a lot of trouble uh, with the with the products that are made overseas. They're, the quality is just not there, and you lose too much per production. I lose nothing. The number I put in, I get out, which is unheard of. And, and I, from what I understand, too, and as far as textile manufacturing, the Carolinas are really coming up. The North Carolina, they South are. Carolina. Yeah. They are. Yeah, no, I, I looked a little bit down there as well. It, I'm hard because what you can pretty much get cotton and those kinds of non-stretchy fabrics done anywhere but my athletic fabric, because it's stretchy and the synthetic, they actually use different machines. It's very hard to find a factory that will manufacture it. It's very much an Asia thing. That's why people send all the um, the most of. I, I actually import my fabric from uh, from Asia, and then I manufacture it here. But a lot of people just buy it over there and manufacture it over there because that's what you know what they do. But but yeah, it, it, it's a little bit of a challenge um, finding a, a good sewing room that can handle it. So that's also why you know it's not cheap. But I think you'll have more. Actually, I think you'll have more choices of that coming forward because I think there's more and more of them starting. Um, I think you're right. And, yeah, and, and you know, not to get political, but I've been saying this. I think I said it to you a couple of years ago. I said, you know, when the when the atmosphere changes with China and when China gets mad at us or we get mad at them and then all of a sudden there's 20% tariffs on everything coming in from China, which is going to happen, uh, you're going to be sitting uh, in, a, in a good position because you already have your manufacturing here. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that for sure. And I've just, I, I had, I received so much pressure over the years. You know, we've been in business seven years now to really? get this overseas. Yeah. I remember when you were a baby. I know. <laughs> it's just starting. It's like, I mean, it's crazy. It's been going on for so long because we're not big business. Like, I cannot Emily, go rent we'll need a jump. Unplug your mic and plug it back in. Emily has uh -oh. a Mac, and with, for some reason with Macs, and you'll hear this in any podcast where they're using Macs, the, at, at about 50 minutes to an hour, you have to unplug your mic and plug it back in because it starts getting staticky, and I don't know why. Nobody's That's so funny. Ever been Normally, I'm better about out. unplugging it, but it's <laughs> Well, we usually have you do it during a song, but we didn't play a song. So, no. All right. You want to answer a couple listener questions before we wrap yeah, up today? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Let's start with, uh, here's a good one. 
any exercises, this is Jacqueline who is asking this, any exercises she uses for young horses who rush fences? Uh, yes. And that's all you ride is young horses who rush <laughs> fences, so you should I mean, know this I, one. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the day job. Um, I think two things. Uh, when they're rushing, they are either a little bit nervous or they are uh, excited. So you need to first evaluate who you're dealing with. Because the nervous horse, if you put a bunch of poles down, it may not help him or her. They may get more nervous. Um, but I will I put, you know, nine-foot placing rails before and after the jump. So they have to learn to stay steady and land properly. If they're nervous, I would trot. I would not do the canter right away. Or you can trot in and then canter out of, say, a line. But maybe not too many poles. Just one pole in front of the trot jump. And then maybe come back to the trot and trot again. But a lot of times they rush because they're not sure how they can, how, how they can uh, f- maneuver over the jump, you know, or like they think that they're too close to the jump. Okay. And uh, let's see here. Um, oh, this is a good question that Jamie had. Jamie asked, does she have a different approach on training for mares, stallions, or geldings? That's a good question because... That is a good yeah. question. They are all different. Um, I think, well, what is the little saying that you ask, ask a mare, tell a gelding and converse with a stallion? Well, J- Jennifer like or Jamie's saying is geld that you know what, but um, that's a different. <laughs> no, I love the stallions. I'm the stallion lady, please. <laughs> I had like five of them at the farm this summer. I love them. I mean, I I, I pre- honestly prefer a stallion because they're just you, you get you know more more bravery. But I think yes, you do. You can't you can't thump on a mare the way that you can on a gelding if they're not getting something. You know, you definitely have to sort of ask a mare. Um, there are some exceptions to the rule, but it's just a, a sort of much more, it's not as a direct approach. You kind of have to let them learn a little bit, in my opinion. That's been my experience. Uh, they have to figure it out a little bit themselves as well. Uh, the gelding, you can pretty much kind of just make them do whatever. And then the stallions, you know, you can't, you can't push hard with a stallion because they push back. Right. That's who they are. Um, if you're gentle with them, I actually think that, uh, women are better with stallions because there's not there's no confrontation and they, you know, they'll, they'll do it. They, they also are a little bit crafty generally, you know, they've got other things on their mind. So you have to, you can't, you can't be too firm with the stallion. You have to be firm, but you can't, you can't be too firm because then they push back. With the stallions, do you kind of have to make it their idea? A little bit, you know, you really do. And they, you see a lot like, you know, like the horses will go on the ring and like stop and stand up or do something dumb that they don't normally do. And you're like, ah, it's a stallion. (laughs) Like they just, sometimes they just make some, some, they just have some ideas, but you can't be tough on them, not too tough. Or then they turn the other way. Um, And then, you know, the geldings, I mean, that's, you know, number one selling horse in America. So do you go into, if you're going in with a mare, by the way, how's my little filly doing? She's doing great. She is so cute. She's huge. She's looking good. Nice straight legs. I call her my little filly. It's actually Emily's little filly, but I adopted her. She's not little. (laughs) (laughs) She was a monster. I couldn't believe that when we were trying to walk her around. She like can drag, when she was like four months old, she was dragging me around. How is she a yearling now? She is. Yeah, she's a yearling. Um, She's looking great. I'll have to get some 
photos and post. And then my other little guy, Halo, who is now six months, uh, he's up there by you, actually. He's getting bigger. Cool. They're so cute. I love the babies. So when you go into the ring with, you know, to start training a mare, do you do, do you consciously say, okay, I'm gonna I'm going to start a little bit differently with the mare than you do the gelding? I do. Yeah. I mean, I think you know, you you definitely they're they're much more sensitive a lot of the time. They notice a lot. You know, they they you just have to kind of evaluate them as to who they are in the herd. A gelding is not you know a naturally occurring like herd member you know that's they're sort of different but the mares you know they they're very sensitive and and they do get upset easily uh stallions as well too but it's you know they're they're in a way they're similar but i i'm always aware of what i'm riding i always pay attention and uh i if the stallion misbehaves I don't correct him too sharply. You know, you have to just kind of let something slide and the mare's a little bit the same way, but you know, you got to be firm, but almost less so with the mare, I believe. Let's, uh, uh, Kayla has a question and I'm going to change this question a little bit because I think we can make it apply to more. What are, what are some warm up techniques that shows that she uses for different types of horses? Let's just change that to what is your standard warm up technique for a horse at a show? Well, I mean, I do evaluate them by what kind of horse they are, if okay. they're a hot horse or a quiet horse, um, or if they're, it's a, for example, I've got my one mare, um, High Heels, that's, you know, my, my old Grand Prix Is that horse. that the name, High Heels? High Heels. <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? <laughs> I like that. And she does kick her heels out high, <laughs> too, when she jumps. She's awesome. Yeah, that's the mare in my profile picture on Facebook. She's, she's unbelievable. Um, but, like, her because she's super hot, like very, very hot. Like as soon as you pick, go to the first jump, her head's flying everywhere. She's kicking dirt up behind her. It's too much. And I don't want to draw that out before she gets in the ring. So she'll just go like really slow trot work just around to stretch. Mainly your objective is you're just getting the animal to stretch and get ready to go and do their job. I see people out there grinding and sitting. Well, you see them out there for a half an hour, jumping jumps. Oh yeah. I'm just like, you guys like do it at home. Like this is a horse show, like show up and show. (laughs) So I'm totally the other end of the spectrum. I just put their nose on the dirt. I let them stretch, trot around a little bit, canter around a little bit due to lead changes and go. But it depends if, you know, I evaluate them on, on if they're a hot or a cold horse because the colder horses do need to take a little bit extra time, I think, to get up into gear. It's like having like a diesel, you know, it right. takes a minute. Um, and then the hot ones, you can get it done a little faster. But I, I, I for me, there's no training at the horse show. Will you, you jump just jumps? Stretch, You'll jump go. a jump or two or not? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. we'll jump. I'll just start like, but I, but I keep it to a very, very minimum. I'm talking like five and six jumps and in the ring. You see people that are doing like, 20 jumps and the horse is like sweating before it even gets oh, in there the coaches out there coaching them and i always oh, yeah. thought that too i always thought if your coach is out there that. coaching you in the warm-up ring i mean serious coaching yeah you shouldn't be there or <laughs> yeah uh, whatever yeah no it's no good <laughs> it's like, no I don't, I don't think that there should be any training there shouldn't even really be much talking you've done all of your homework the horse needs to stretch for my top horses jumping meter 40 like that i mean i'll jump five six jumps start at maybe a meter and you could jump at once i always start with an oxer uh, sometimes I finish on a vertical if they are not good with the verticals or if the horse needs to cover the spread, if that's his thing, then I'll just finish on the oxer. So you do have to evaluate a little bit what they want, but there's no, uh, there shouldn't be any training at the horse show. That's silly. I bet. Yeah. You see it every horse show you go to. Oh my God. 
I'm probably one of the few people that warms up the way that I'm talking about. Like I look around and I'm like, good Lord, these people are just grinding on these horses. Just if you, you have, if you have to do all that, like to jump around, either you're not in the right class or you haven't done your homework or I don't know, but like, don't do it here. Just warm them up and in the ring. Yeah. And I often wondered too, if that doesn't just mess with, we, you know, uh, Tanya Johnson uh, is doing, and we just recorded this actually, Tanya Johnson, who is a mental skills coach. You probably know Tanya. Uh, she, yeah, she, she had Ann Krasinski on. It'll be, it'll be coming out Saturday and, and all on her show, all she talks about is the mental side of writing. And, you know, I, I, so I've been thinking more as I listen to Tanya about the mental side of riding. And they talked about warm-up and all of that. And, Aunt, you know, Ann Krasinski did, who, if anybody knows how to do it, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, and Ann, I think, kind of agrees with you. And, she, you know, she, one of the things that I wonder about with those coaches that are drilling them in warm-up before a class is, I wonder if you just aren't psyching the rider out. Oh, for sure. There, I mean, yeah, even just that alone, it's just like you see with these, so these kids sometimes and the trainers trying to make them get the perfect distance over and over. And you're just like, look, it's not going to be perfect. Like you've done as much as you can on your homework. You're showing up to the horse show. So just warm up and get into the ring. But I, I think you're right. And that these kids go into the ring like, you know, white knuckle ah, after having, you know, a 45 minute lesson in the schooling area. Yeah, I agree. Totally. All right. Well, Kayla, we hope that helped answer your question. Um, let me see here. Okay, this is a good question. So, and we get this question a lot from everybody that lives up north and don't have the wonderful weather that we do right now and are buried in snow. How about some exercises to help prepare you? This is from Danielle, and I know she lives in central Pennsylvania. How about some exercises to help you prepare for jumping? I'm looking to start jumping again this spring once I get back into riding shape. Need to rebuild my balance and stamina after being off for a few months. And I know you lived up north, and but you always kind of did come to Florida. I don't know that, that she can answer this question, uh, Danielle. I don't know that Emily can do this, because I don't think she's ever <laughs> hung out in the snow. Uh, so. I, as I, I've tried to escape it yeah. ever since I could. I, I could even I when you were I'd, little, you were in Florida, oh, yeah. so I don't think I she can answer I was migrating when I was 12. Do you even I know mean, what I, snow I, looks like? Uh, no, <laughs> no, I don't even want to talk about it. No, I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, your, 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 work, your work is, you know, this is for the rider, right? Yeah, I think she was asking about both, actually. Oh. Well, for the horses, I mean, they just need to be, they need to be fit. Uh, walking, believe it or not, it's awesome. You can go walking with the horse for like an hour, hour and a half. And if they're and walking in three fit. feet snow, they're getting exercise. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you want to do some of that, be my guest. Enjoy it. Uh, I think that's really good. The walking and then pole work is going to keep the horses sharp and similar. Like we we're talking about with the rushing horses, the trotting jumps is probably the best way to start. Just get them comfortable and they can trot some big jumps. You know, they don't have to just be little ones. Um, and then for the rider, you know, to get your strength back, I mean, you definitely need core, uh, work. Um, honestly, water buckets is probably the best thing you could do is pick up your water buckets and dump them. I get really fit <laughs> when I'm doing all my water and you've got the, the upper body strength. Yeah, you don't have automatic just... water. You do have automatic waters, don't you? No, no, you no, don't. That's I'm, right. I'm I remember. My installs and I got um, to tell everybody who think that Emily is a spoiled, rotten little child down there I in Wellington. When, when on I the other went... side of town, I am. But then when I get to my place, I'm like, <laughs> yes. all right, I got to get to the stalls. When get I the saw done. how much work you do at your farm, it's like, oh my god. And the first thing I asked you is, you don't have help, and you're like, nope. So she goes out and rides oh, all day. We didn't get to. We didn't get in the house till, or we didn't get to dinner till like eight. Oh uh, yeah. 
Yeah. No, you it's were, totally nuts. Yeah. The madness did, is continued. I said, that's it. After one day with Emily, I was out of there. I was like, you, <laughs> this is work. It's too much work. <laughs> it is too much work. Yeah. Hopefully I can get some, some more staff as I get, uh, into the season a little bit more, but yeah, no, it's crazy. We had like 17 horses over the summer. Let's do one more question here. Uh, James asks, do you have any suggestions for helping a horse build confidence? My quarter horse came back uh, from one year lease, a stopper, but he was always a good jumper before this, so I don't know what to do. He just seems to have lost his confidence. My vet ruled out any physical issues, so I need some help with getting him to enjoy jumping like he used to. And, of course, we, we don't know what happened when he was out doing that, right? Oh, and I yeah, do have one more shame, from Hillary I'll ask uh, after this, too. You see it, you know, because I do the sales and the leases, and unfortunately, they, you'd be surprised the condition they can come back in, uh, knowing how they left. But I, I'm a really big fan of the trot jumps. I think it really helps build their confidence a lot because sometimes if the rider's missing a lot or they've jumped the horse too high for the experience or, you know, the level that oh, the rider is I was going to say. You basically go back to the beginning, right? You start over. Go back to the beginning and give them because they, they, they get worried with, with when they're stopping, they're worried that they're either going to crash to have the rail down or they just not they're not confident in the distance anymore, probably because the rider is very erratic and, and inaccurate and maybe the jumps were too big, but yeah, you just start right over. If it's a good horse Cross and he's sound, even, just start where, yeah, you know, the basics, yeah, just yeah. totally start over and they come along quick, but you can trot the jumps. You can trot bigger. Like jumps, you know, you can put the, just one trot pole out in front, you know, at maybe six feet or so. And then you can raise the jump so that he builds the confidence to start jumping a little bigger. And the trot is good because they kind of don't know where they are all the time, and but they're going slower. So but you now, can even in trot. that case, you probably have to take longer than you think you do, right? I mean, you have to be patient when you're doing the retraining because now they do have baggage. Yeah, that yeah, you do, but you you'd be surprised they bounce back pretty quick. You know, if it's not a physical thing, um, you can just kind of re retrain and rebuild their confidence. Depending on how nervous the horse is, gymnastics are really good. Trotting into a series of jumps, you can start with just small poles on the ground. I like the nine feet placing rails, um, just so that he has more more uh, obstacles to get over. And then when he looks at the little ones, just single standing jumps, it won't be so scary because he'll have just accomplished, you know, an entire grid. It doesn't have to be done very big, but yeah, you know, they, they let you know they're all different, but if, if the horse was not stopping before, chances are he'll, he'll be just fine. I don't, maybe they had too strong a bid in who knows, but the trotting jumps and then trotting in and cantering out of lines, and those controlled exercises, making them jump a little bigger, but where it's controlled, I think that's really, really helpful for the confidence. And Hillary sent this one in a while back, and we just didn't have a show since then, and I want to make sure we get to it, so we'll make this the last one for today. Uh, Lately, I've been having trouble sitting up smoothly after landing. The horse I've been riding cracks his back and is, is and it's taking me a few strides after the fence to get my shoulders back and to sit up. This has really given me problems in one or two stride lines because I can't recover quick enough. Um, stepping up my core fitness in the gym, but I would appreciate any advice. Yeah, that's hard um, because some of those ones that kick out hard and push off hard behind, there's sort of this moment 
uh, where the center of gravity kind of changes. And it's pretty much when those front feet come off the floor and the back ones are still on the floor, that's when you need to be thinking to sit up. Everybody wants to lean forward and get into their quote-unquote jumping position. I'm not a big fan of a jumping position. It's unnecessary. It's your, your natural hip angle will close a little bit, but you want, I, I tell myself to lean away the last stride. And then when those front feet come off the ground, I start thinking now sit up and you won't really, because you're going to have to close a little bit as the horse pulls you over the jump, but you can't, what happens is if you get out that that's the moment that you get ahead is when the front feet are coming off the ground and then you can't recover fast enough. So you've got to find a way to stay behind that center of gravity when the front feet are coming off the ground and then you won't even feel it. You'll be back there already. Yeah. Jennifer just wrote who can't barely talk poor Jennifer, but she just wrote and avoid getting ahead of the horse to begin with. Yes. Yeah. Essentially it's yeah. it, it, you, 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 you gotta be proactive about it or it's very hard to recover. But once the da- once it's already done, the damage is done. And when you leaned forward at the jump, it, I mean, it, if I, if I do that, I mean, I'm a professional, it's hard for me to sit up too. You know, if, if if I get ahead of it to begin with. So you've got to stay really, really behind when those front feet come off the ground. Yeah, and that that becomes a habit, right? So, and then, oh, yeah. you know, like any other habit, it's hard to break that one. <laughs> it's really hard. Yeah. And especially when you get excited or when the jumps get bigger, you know, I find myself wanting to get a little quick when the jumps get bigger and then it's even worse. And I'm like, Oh no, no, no. I think lean away. I keep my chin up. I tell myself chin up all the time off the ground. Um, sometimes I'll even hold my breath to stay really still off the ground. But it, there, it is that moment that those, those front feet are coming off the floor that you've got to think less about opening your hip angle and think more about sliding your hips back. So it's almost like you're sliding back. Like you're going to sit in a chair. I, I, I remember seeing George uh, Morris uh, address this one a few times over the years. He probably addressed oh, it yeah. with you and some of the times you rode with him, too. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> always. I mean, that, it's the hardest thing. It's so crucial to being able to capture your landing stride, though. But, I mean, I, I think at any moment, if you could remove the horse from the photo... You know, if you were taking a freeze frame or video or whatever of your you and your horse going up and over the jump, they you should be able to kind of stand on the ground almost at any minute. Like you know that your leg might kick back a little bit in the air. You know, okay, that no nobody's perfect, but that that if you could remove the horse when you're doing it incorrectly, basically people are like you know standing with their toes pointed down and leaning way far forward. Like you couldn't do that on the ground. Very good. All right. That, I think that uh, we got to most of them today. If we didn't get to yours, we'll try and get to yours next month. And yeah, Emily will fun. be taking questions. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad we're doing this. Is, I like yeah. the show. I think it's, uh, we, we, don't ha- we never have had, in the nine years we've been doing this, a training show for jumping. So uh, I think this is perfect, and thank you for agreeing to do it this year. And That's if great. you want to get your questions in, send them, just send them over to Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. If you don't like the new format, send them to Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. <laughs> um, and she'll throw them away with all the other complaint emails. Um, so, uh, if you love Probably the show, somewhere. send it to Emily. Uh, the, you know, then there you can you send it to Emily because she, she likes having her ego stroked and hates negative uh, press. So, yeah, yeah, I hate negative. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, Emily, thank you so much for doing this again. Where can people find you and your products? 
Well, I am S Equestrian, E-C-E EquestrianCo.com. Also on Facebook, ECE Equestrian for IHSA, and also ECE Equestrian, just the plain page. Um, then I'm Emily Thompson, of course, and you check us out, email us, message us, try the products for sure. You can find uh, all the links to all of today's guests at the show notes if you missed it at uh, horsesinthemorning.com. You can find all of Emily's past episodes. And I, it's been a lot now. Uh, all of Emily's past episodes uh, uh, over at Horses in the Morning. Just search for Emily Thompson or search for Jumping, and it'll bring up all the past episodes. You can go listen to those. You can uh, The easiest way to listen to all of our shows, all 12 of them, soon to be 13. Another new one coming out this week. Uh, all 12 episodes are now on our app, iOS or Android. Just search for Horse Radio Network. It's free, it's easy, and it's probably the simplest way to listen to the shows. I mentioned that uh, in the last couple of months, Emily, we've had hundreds of downloads from China. And I don't really? know why, but now it's switched to the Chinese. Somebody must have talked about us. You know, we were, who knows what blog, because I can't read Chinese, that actually said, you know, about our app. But now it's Japan. Somebody must have mentioned us in Japan, and, and we've had at least 100 downloads from Japan in the last uh, couple of weeks. So wow. So if there's any That's Japanese cool. jumpers listening, drop us an email at jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. We want to hear from you. Do uh, it. Yep. And uh, that's it. That's all we have for you today. Emily is here the first Tuesday of every month, and we'll talk to her again next month. Thanks, Em. Yay. Ja- See you soon, guys. Jamie's back tomorrow. We'll be here at 9 a.m. Eastern.